0: Hey everyone, it's Skye, and this is 420 Unsolved, where we get together and smoke and get stony and talk about mysterious happenings in the world, Um, be it true crime, paranormal, supernatural, whatever we feel like. Today, it's me and my partner, Miles.
1: Hi, I'm Miles.
0: (laughs) Uh, This is our first ever podcast, so please, I hope you enjoy When we get started, I'm going to talk a little bit about what we're going to talk about today. I have researched the mysterious death of Roland T. Owen in room 1046, and this happened out in Kansas City, Missouri. A lot of weird happenings happened and just a lot of weird things in regards to trying to figure out how this murder happened and who's connected to it. But before we get started, um, we need to let the smoking commence. Um, we're going to be, what are Finally. we going to smoking? <laughs> what are we going to be smoking?
1: We're going to be smoking some uh, just generic dislet from our local clinic. We'll be smoking of a nice little double-walled banger.
0: All right. Well, we will be right back after we, yeah. Partake. Partake, exactly. 420 Unsolved is an independent podcast. The opening and closing music is called No Flower by Gluten. If you like the show, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at 420 Unsolved. Please smoke responsibly. All right, and we are back. So, I'm going to lay out what we're talking about. So, the person that we're talking about today is Roland T. Owen. The location is primarily at the President Hotel in Kansas City, Missouri. And the time period is 1935, specifically between January 2nd and 4th of 1935.
1: Got it? That's very depressing.
0: (laughs) Why do you say that?
1: No, maybe the Depression at 32. I don't (laughs) know, but it was close to a good joke. Uh,
0: All right. So on January 2nd of 1935, a tall man with cauliflower-like ear and a facial scar by his mouth checked into room 1046 at the President Hotel in Kansas City, Missouri. The hotel clerk noticed that the man did not have any luggage with him, but only a comb and a toothbrush, and that when the man checked in, he checked in under the name of Roland T. Owen. After checking in, Roland left the hotel to go out into the evening.
1: The more you say that name, the like more fake it sounds.
0: <laughs> I know, it sounds kind of ridiculous, and it flows. Say it.
1: Roland, T-O-N. right? It almost rhymes. but doesn't keep reading. Okay.
0: All right. So later during the day, Roland checked in a maid named Mary Soptic went to his room to perform house cleaning duties like cleaning. Um, the maid reported that Roland appeared frightened in his room. His blinds were shut and the room only had light coming from a small lamp, um, in the corner of the bedroom. Um, After she cleaned the room, Roland requested that she keep the door unlocked because he was expecting a friend to come over. So the maid later returned to the room to provide clean towels, and Roland was laying on top of his bed fully clothed. (laughs) Mary just assumed he was sleeping, Um, and then before she left, she saw a note on the dresser stating, Don, I will be back in 15 minutes. Wait. So... That was day one of Roland T. Owen's stay at President Hotel. So the next day, January 3rd of 1935, the same maid, Mary Soptik, returned to room 1046 at 1030 a.m. She was going to, again, do her house cleaning duties of cleaning rooms. But she found Roland's door was locked from the outside. Uh, she ended up using <clears throat> her master key to enter the room, because she just assumed Roland was not there. But when she entered the room, she did find Roland sitting in the dark, alone, in one of the corners. <laughs> so that's a little creepy.
1: And <laughs> locked from the outside, though. Yeah. Sounds like a gimp situation. What do you mean? Like he was somebody's gimp. Oh, okay. I don't know, like a little sex slave? I don't
0: know. Oh, Okay. <laughs>
1: He's sitting in a dark corner alone, and the door's locked from the outside.
0: That's not where my mind goes, though.
1: A grown man sitting in a corner all alone in the dark. That's exactly where my mind goes.
0: Okay. (laughs) Anyways, moving on. This wasn't. There was another story I found when I was doing my research about this that actually claimed that Mary. I could hear Roland in the room when she got there. Um, but because she could just hear him and then Mary knocked and Roland opened the door. Um, Mary tried to get past him to come in, but he really wasn't letting her come in. And after they talked, um, she eventually moved past him and was able to get into the bedroom. Um, but she found it almost dark where the shades were once again closed and there was only light in coming from a small land. Um, so just two separate stories and I figured I would report both of them just because I found both of them. So, but again, still kind of creepy, you know,
1: cultist confirmed.
0: (laughs) Stop. No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So while Mary was in the room, the phone rang and Roland answered it. Um, but Mary was kind of unsure who he was talking to. And later, she rem- reports to the police that she remembers him saying, No, Don. I don't want to eat. I am not hungry. I just had breakfast. So again, with another message to Don. After the phone call, Roland turned to Mary and kind of just talked to her for a little bit. She He was just asking about where her job is and what she does. Um, and Mary kind of just got out of there.
1: <laughs> I don't blame
0: her. Yeah. <laughs> So later in the evening, Mary returned once again to room ten forty six.
1: I'd have got a different person, like different maid, to go do that. I'd have been like, "Hey, you want to switch like floors with me?" or something?
0: Right, right. Because all these things are kind of weird. I don't know. I wouldn't want to have this interaction. Like honestly,
1: just seeing the dark room like that, like several times, would make me very alert and it's kind of it's kind of creepy.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I thought when I was reading all of this, I would, I would ask directly for somebody else to go do it. I'd be, I'm done. You can deal with this. (laughs) All right. So anyways, Mary again goes back to the room to give Roland fresh towels like she did before, before entering or even trying to get in, she could just hear two male voices talking. Um, Mary knocked and explained that she was here to give the towels. Um, and then she reported to the police that after knocking, she heard a voice, but it wasn't Roland's. It was the unfamiliar voice that she could hear talking. Um, and this unknown male voice told her that towels were not needed for the room, so then Mary just left.
1: Okay, this for real sounds like some kind of, like, sub situation. No! I'm not kidding. I'm not even, like, this time's not even a joke. <sighs> That's some weird, like, controlling stuff that that... Just seems very reminiscent of a very extreme subdom relationship. Okay. Towels are not needed in this room. That's that's a bold statement to make for someone. <laughs> I'm just saying. All right, all right. Well, let
0: me just keep telling it's you about It's 1935.
1: Maybe he was, like, secretly gay. Maybe. All I'm saying. Maybe.
0: You just have to wait and hear right, the rest all right, of all it, all and I'm we'll
1: sorry. see. Okay. I haven't read anything, so you, you know I'm just here to... Yeah, yeah.
0: It's
1: all a mystery to me. <laughs>
0: So, before anyone who knows, I don't tell Miles what we're going to be talking about. So, he doesn't know until now of a recording and after we smoke a lot and get stoned. So, all right. Later on during the investigation after the untimely death of this person, um, a motorist by the name of Robert Lane came forward explaining he encountered a male hedgehiker during the evening of January 3rd. So, the same day of the first night of everything um he encountered this person a few blocks away from the president hotel it was about a mile and a half um the man the man had flagged down robert um thinking that robert was a taxi driver but robert explained that he wasn't but he was a city worker for the kansas city water department um and he did agree to drive this stranger to where he needed to go Um, he explained later that the man was dressed in pants and only an undershirt. Um, other reports say that he was only dressed in his underwear. Um, I know. Okay. Stop. Keep going. Um, but everyone, all the reports, um, just explained that it was very weird how he was dressed so lightly because it was in the middle of January and that it was winter. And so he was just dressed too lightly for the weather. So then Robert later explained that the strange man had a deep scratch cut like um, injury on his left arm. Robert stated to the stranger that he looked like he was having a bad night. And then the, the stranger in return said that he was going to kill someone tomorrow. This man later was identified as um, Roland T. Owen. So this was the man that we're talking about. So Robert came forward early, um, later stating that he had interacted with him that night. So, and he's, he was making these claims that he was going to kill someone.
1: You see, before, I thought you were saying, we were going to say this was the other man in his underwear. But see, now that I know it's Roland T. Owens, why would he be in his underwear unless someone, like, made him walk around in his underwear? Uh, That's okay. all I'm saying.
0: All
1: right. Blue confirms.
0: Uh. On the night of January 3rd, still same night, a woman named Jean Owen, that th- she has no relation to Roland, okay? Um, she also checked in to the President Hotel, um, and she was given a key to room 1048, which is right next to Roland's room. Jean reported to the police that the night of January 3rd, she heard noises coming from Roland's room. Jean told the police, quote, I heard a lot of noise, which sounded like it was on the same floor, and consisted largely of men and women talking loudly and cursing. When the noise continued, I was about to call the desk clerk, but decided not to. She also explained to police that she heard sounds of a scuffle and a gasping noise, and she just assumed that someone was just snoring. So, there, I mean, obviously something happened in that room.
1: Something.
0: Yeah. And she, she kind of just summed it up that someone was snoring I guess I don't know I thought that was really weird so anyways it was also reported by a bellhop that was on duty that night that there was a woman who was staying at the hotel but she was not actually a guest she just comes and visits quite often he called her a commercial woman who often frequented the rooms of hotel males so she would come in <laughs> so service them I guess prostitute yes that's what it sounds like, a commercial woman. On January 3rd, she came to the hotel searching for a man in 1026. So the same floor of Roland's floor. But she couldn't find him in his room or nothing. And she was trying to look for him. And, and speaking to people, she explained that this guy is very prompt. He's a very prompt customer and that he's never laid and all this stuff. So she was quite worried about him. Um, so she be, she kind of just began looking for him all throughout the hotel. And I guess after an hour, it was reported that she gave up and went away. We don't know, but this is important for later just because of knowing this woman was there. Um, the elevator operator of that night, Charles Blocher also reported strange activity within the hotel. Um, he kind of explained that there was a party in room 1055 and that a familiar woman trying to find room 1026. So that was the room that I just talked about, that the woman was looking for a man. Yeah. Okay. So Blocher saw that this woman saw this woman several times throughout the night. Um, and then he last saw her. She was with another man. So she did what he did see her with another person. And then at 4 a.m., the woman was seen finally leaving the hotel, and that the man that she was with left about 15 minutes after her. Um, now neither one of these people were ever identified, or, and no one was able to come forward about who these people were.
1: They did not have security cameras in do they?
0: I guess not in 1935, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't know, I don't know. look that up. <laughs> Oh, God. Keep reading. All right. Next day, January 4th, the operator um, of the hotel president noticed that the telephone in room 1046 was off the hook. So, Roland's room. And he sent one of the bellboys up to check on the room and hang the phone up.
1: 1942.
0: Okay, so there was no security camera there. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. We figured that out. So the bellhop, upon arrival to the room, saw that there was a do not disturb sign hanging on the doorknob, and the room was locked. He knocked on the door and just heard a voice say, come in. But the bellhop explained, you know, the door's locked, I can't come in. So he knocked again, and then he got no response, and then he waited a few seconds and then heard, turn on the lights. The bellhop knocked again because the door is locked. He can't get in. I mean, and he just got frustrated and yelled through the door that he needed to put the telephone back on the receiver. The boy explained to police that he just assumed that Roland was drunk and had knocked the phone off of the bed. So, I mean, I guess that makes sense, though.
1: I guess.
0: yeah. Yeah. So an hour and a half later... The hotel operator noticed that the phone was still off the hook. And a different bellboy by the name of Harold Pike went up to the room to place the phone back. Harold had to use the master key to enter the room because it was still locked. And he found Roland laying on the bed without any clothes on. (laughs)
1: Well,
0: hold on. So the stand next to the bed that had the telephone was slightly moved and the phone was laying on the floor. Harold picked the phone up and just placed it back on the receiver and left the room. Um, But then within the hour, the operator noticed that the phone was once again not on the receiver. So the original bellboy who first went up there, who saw the do not disturb sign, went in to the room because he had to use the master key because it was locked because I guess it locked behind Harold yeah, alright. So, um, when he went inside the room, he noticed that Roland was still naked, but he was crouched over on the floor, and the walls were covered in blood. And he also noticed that the bed and bathroom had blood all in it, and over it, all over the bed, and all in the bathroom.
1: That's some, like, like DIY satanic shit right um, there.
0: Well... It's somewhere, it's like, it's horrifying, but, so the bellhop fled and ended up calling the police, and the police arrived, and Roland is still alive at this point, and he told the police that he had just fallen against the bathtub. But here's the thing, the police can clearly see him, and it was reported that Roland looked as if he had been tied up by a cord around his arms, leg, and his neck. And he had been... S- stuff.
1: Baby, you Ugh. gotta admit, the more you're reading this to me, the more it sounds like that.
0: I guess, but when I read all this, I didn't go to S&M murder.
1: That's why you needed a fresh look. You needed my detective's eye. You understand all what right, I'm
0: so they also saw that he had been stabbed multiple times in the chest and that his skull was fractured from multiple blows. And he also suffered from a punctured lung. So he didn't
1: want any medical attention or anything. No,
0: he did. Well, he, I mean, he did, that. they came and got him. So that's the thing. Um, he just kept saying that he'd fallen against his bathtub. And by the time that Roland had reached the hospital, he had actually fallen into a coma and he died later that night. But he literally would only kept saying that he just hit him, He just fell and hit a the, the bathtub. Oh,
1: severe blood loss. He must have not realize about all the stab wounds. Ugh.
0: But see, that doesn't scream S and M murder.
1: I mean, all I'm saying let's say it's let's say he's okay. Look, maybe he was into gore. I don't know.
0: But here's the other thing that I find super weird that I found. The doctors, when they did the autopsy on Roland's body, yeah. they found that all the wounds that he got, the the stab wounds, the punctured lung, the fractured skull, all of that happened well before the first bellhop ever room went up to the room and yelled to him through the door.
1: So he'd been sitting up there.
0: Yeah. But here's the other thing, though. Remember that Harold went into the room... And there was... He He didn't say he saw any blood. Yeah. So I don't understand that part. Do you get it? But the, but the doctors are sitting there saying that his wounds, all of it, the stab wounds and everything. So just think of all that blood happened well before he originally went up to the room.
1: So he was like up there bleeding for a long time.
0: Yeah. And so it was later looked at that the reason the phone kept being off the phone hook was that he was trying to call for help, but by the time he could only reach the phone and or knock it off, that was the only strength he had that he could do.
1: But he didn't ask for help when they went to the room.
0: Yes, but we don't know. I mean, that was just a claim that some people thought. Yeah. So, But you're right, he didn't ask for help. He just kept saying he hit his head on the bathtub. All right, so in the investigation. So this is where some things kind of happen that just don't make any sense. So the police ended up searching the room, but they didn't really find anything suspicious, but they just found a few items that were strange and just opinions, I guess you would say was strange. So first off, the room had absolutely no clothing, which is weird because Roland was also found naked. And when he checked in, he had clothing, you know, and when he was saw by that motorist, he had clothing on at least, you know, so this is really strange. There's no clothing in the room. Um, And then all of like standard hotel items that you think were in the room were gone. So like shampoo, towels, toothbrushes, things like that. So like it was basically just an empty room. The police also found evidence that someone was in the room. Um, They concluded this because there was a label from a tie that was discovered. So they did find like a a tie um, and there was a label, I guess that had been taken off of it. And then there were also four fingerprints that were found on the lampshade that did not belong to Roland, so they had these fingerprints so and then they found like an unsmoked cigarette and a hairpin. They found like this feminine object and so they they think you know obviously it's not going to be Roland's so and then six hours after Roland was found, the police finally conducted that. He was tortured by a person or persons for unknown reasons. So they couldn't figure out why. Why was this a guy bound maybe and he tortured? Just,
1: he enjoyed it.
0: Oh, God.
1: And maybe it just went wrong and they killed him.
0: You know, I'm, I'm going to go with it at this point. I'll go with it at this point. It's
1: 1935. There's a lot of repression.
0: Mm-hmm. So Roland died, sadly. And they tried to attempt to ID him to find his family and notify him. Uh, But they were unable to actually find a man named Roland T. Owen. They kind of just ended up assuming he checked himself into the hotel under an alias. And so they renamed him John Doe. So since they renamed him and they couldn't figure out who he was, they brought someone in to do a sketch of him. And then they published the sketch in the newspaper under the heading of Do You Recognize This Man?, Um, I have the picture, um, and I'm going to put it up on the Instagram page, so you guys should go look at that, um, and the other pictures I'll post of this. So, then his body was put on display at a local funeral home, so that way people could go and see him if they felt like they could know who he is, and then several people from around the country... Um, sent in pictures and photographs to the Kansas city uh, police department, but none of them were a positive ID. It's kind of sad. So Roland, who obviously is now actually John Doe was actually, so this is where things start getting kind of a little weird, was going to be buried in a potter's field. I don't really know what that is, but I think it's a lesser type graveyard cemetery, but before he actually was buried, there was an anonymous call from a male to the funeral home and he said that he would send all the funds necessary to cover for Roland or John Doe's burial and he wanted it at Kansas City's Memorial Park Cemetery. The man explained that to the when they called he kind of explained that Owen had jilted a woman and this man knew and that the three of them had met at a hotel to discuss it. He also stated cheaters usually get what's coming to them and then he hung up the phone so
1: (laughs) cheating on his wife with the guy
0: i don't know they ended up burying him at the kansas city memorial park and they did bury him under the name of roland t owen instead of john doe so then later for the funeral an anonymous order came to the funeral of 13 roses to be laid with the grave and it came with a card that read love forever louise okay
1: Mm
0: -hmm. that's then this is not all that happened though because then around the time of the funeral there ended up being another phone call um, but not to the funeral home this time it was to the local paper and it was a woman who kind of she just refused to identify herself and she yelled at the reporter and editor who did a, a paper or a story on Roland's burial because they said that he was buried in a pauper's grave, but he was actually going to be buried at the Memorial Park Cemetery. Um, she's quote, uh, the worker quoted that she this woman yelled at her stating, you have a story in your paper that is wrong. Roland Owen will not be buried in a pauper's grave. Arrangements have been made for his funeral. So the editor thought this was kind of weird and pushed this woman and just kind of asked her um, what happened to Owen in that hotel room. And the woman answered, he got into a jam. (laughs) So. So ominous. I know, right? All right. So next, it's 1936. It's a year later after the death of Rowan. And a woman in Birmingham, Alabama, read an account of the murder in a magazine called American Weekly. She saw the picture of this this man and thought it was her friend's missing son, Artemis Ogletree. <laughs> so this boy, Artemis Ogletree, had left home in April of 1934. And his mother was Ruby Ogletree. And then she actually later on went on to positively confirm that Roland was um, Artemis. So this was her son the whole time. The reason she was able to identify him is because he had a burned face. So the cauliflower like ear was actually the burn that he had when he had gotten as a child. And it followed him into adulthood um, as like this really bad scar. And so that's how she was able to identify him. Um, at the time of when Artemis left home, he was only 17 years old. So he was only, like, 19 years Yeah. Yeah, he was very young. He was, like, 18, 19. So, yeah. So, however, in the spring of 1935, this is where it gets kind of freaky. Ruby had actually been receiving letters from her son Artemis. But she thought they were kind of odd because they were done in with a typewriter and... Her son has never used a typewriter to send her letters. He's always done them by hand, in cursive, beautiful long letters, and he's never done them on a typewriter. So all she thought was he couldn't use one. Um, But then she started getting these ones that were um, typewritten. And they were being mailed to her home in Birmingham, Alabama. And they were also just rolling. Very weirdly, um, the writer was using slang and different ways of talking that Artemis usually never did. So she thought that was very weird that suddenly he started talking this different way. Soon, more letters started arriving, and they were always typewritten. And one of them said that Artemis was in Chicago attending a business school. Another one came saying he was sailing to New York, to um, from New York to Europe, and then. In August of that year, so in 1935, um, a man called her, and he said that his name was Jordan. And he said that he was a friend of Artemis, and that Artemis had saved his life, and now he was married to a wealthy woman in Cairo, Egypt. Like, that's weird. Like, to get that phone call, I feel like. It's like
1: a fantasy story.
0: Yeah. Like, I would see this in a movie.
1: I keep, I keep reading this. is weird.
0: And this dude also started saying that Artemis couldn't type to his mother anymore because he had lost a thumb in a brawl. (laughs) So he lost his thumb in a fight. I can't type anymore, mom. (laughs) You know, so Ruby started getting very suspicious and worried for her son. And so she started getting help from the cops, more specifically the FBI. And then she was able to get a hold of an American consultant in Egypt. But they were never able to locate Artemis anywhere in Egypt. So they, they just couldn't find him. Then, one promising lead surfaced in 1937 when a man who went by the alias of Joseph o- Ogden? Ogden? I think it's Ogden. I don't know. He, was a- he refused to give his actual name. He was arrested for the murder of his roommate. Uh, Joseph was also known by another alias of Donald Kelso.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. And his appearance was very similar to the description of Donald Kelso who stayed at the St. Regis, which is another hotel that Roland stayed at in Kansas City. So they were seen together at the hotel that there is in Saint, in, in Kansas City. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so then the police never actually looked into this connection when they figured that out so they never looked for this, this guy yeah i know donald kelso like come on he had all those messages to don like is this the same don i don't know it's odd. it's very odd so like i said the whole thing is just odd so then the police then started kind of changing their direction and they started trying to look for this don though even though they didn't pursue this connection With just this name, they didn't have anything else. They didn't know if it was a nickname. They didn't have a last name, all that. They didn't really have much to go on. They figured maybe Don might have been visiting Roland um, when that maid came and asked for, to give the towels. And he was like, no, we don't need any towels. So she thinks, they think maybe this, this was the man that was in the room with him. This Don person, I guess. And then he left, obviously. And then maybe they thought he could be the same man that was at Saint Regis, that he was. Roland was seen with, so mm. they're trying to think that maybe this man was the same guy. They don't know, um, and then they were like, "Well, maybe he was the target. Maybe he was the guy that um, Roland wanted to kill." Because remember, he said that he wanted to kill this random person the next day.
1: Yeah,
0: you know. So who who knows? However, it it ended up being terrible because they just they never figured out who Don was. They were never able to figure out what was going on, who this person was. Um so they just they never got it.
1: Some mighty fine police work there, John. <laughs> yeah, I
0: know. It's it's I mean it's sad. They didn't they didn't know anything. They didn't have, you know, we looked it up. They didn't have cameras then. Uh, we looked it up. Um and they they didn't know who he was. So they they couldn't figure out why he was killed. So they didn't have any leads at all at the beginning.
1: And it must have sucked to be a cop back in the thirties.
0: Yeah, I believe it. I, I, I believe that. They're like nothing. They didn't, I mean, we have like DNA testing now and all this fancy technology, you know? Fancy. (laughs) So in 1937, they ended up seeing that there was another death that kind of looked exactly the same in New York. Um, but there was no links between this crime and Roland, so they didn't have any links. It was just that Roland's case went cold again, um... But interest kind of pops up every now and then. And another time was back in 2003 when someone did get in touch with the Kansas City Police, um, or no, sorry, someone did get in touch with the Kansas City Public Library, Um, and they they talked with librarian John Horner. And when they were speaking on the phone, the caller did not identify themselves, but they just said that they phoned from outside of Missouri and that someone had recently passed away. And that while they were scoundering around in their belongings of this person that died, um, they found a box that was full of old newspaper clippings, and they were all about this murder of Roland T. Owen. Um, Also in the box was something that the newspapers reported had mentioned, but weirdly enough, the caller... Refused to say what was in this box.
1: And they never go look for it, or no?
0: Far? I couldn't find anything that said that they went to go look at what this box was. That's wild. Uh, they called a librarian, though. Why would you call a librarian?
1: Newspaper clippings.
0: I guess maybe. You know, a bunch
1: of old ones, like I mean, think about how hard would it to have like this guy probably had almost if it was the dude that murdered him, and he was proud of it, he might have had like every newspaper clipping that he that pretty much everyone he could find or that existed of it. Mm-hmm. He might have had all of them it would be quite a collection of clippings about a specific incident.
0: Yeah, I guess that makes sense. So
1: library is basically a museum for paper.
0: Yeah, I love libraries. But yeah, so that that's that's all the odd things that happened.
1: It's wild. I'm gonna hit a dad. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hope you guys liked it. Sorry to talk too much. It was pretty high. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So that, that that's everything. I mean, um, I mean, it was pretty good. I think, for our first episode, anyways. Decent. Decent. Oh, Decent. Um, but so they never did figure out any of the stuff. They never figured out who Dawn was. They never figured out why uh, Artemis was. Killed and what happened?
1: Yeah, that's wild. That's a cool name.
0: Artemis, I know. I liked it
1: too. I swear he was married to some wealthy woman. Like, oh Guy rope. <coughs> I'm fine. Ain't <You> no know, bitch. It
0: <laughs> was a good job. Yeah all right well that pretty much concludes our first episode um let us know what you think on our instagram our twitter um you know like subscribe follow whatever it is wherever i'm posting this
1: unless you're gonna be mean
0: oh yeah please please don't be mean Uh, this is our first podcast. Um, this is a non for profit, so I'm editing and doing everything on my own. Um, but this is the first time I've ever messed with any voice thing or done a podcast like thing. It's just more of a I have more of a passion for true crime and paranormal activity, so we figured why not? I like to get high and I like to talk to her. Yeah,
1: that's <laughs>
0: great. So, yeah, let us know. Um, Give us some ideas maybe of what you'd like us to talk about next. Um, And, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Peace out.